Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It does show the sort of strain that the market is under this winter. It's very rare to hear the chief economist of the Bank of England being so frank about Brexit. I think that what's more problematic for policy in the UK is following these basics so that people make decisions on the basis of uh, the full picture. Stephen, I would like to have a small rant. Oh, just a small one. That's a relief. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Ewan Potts. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Stephen Carroll. It's Wednesday, so it must be Prime Minister's questions. Lots, though, to talk about. I mean, I do feel a bit like um, Jeremy Hunt might have been doing the equivalent of uh, checking all of his household bill providers, trying to perhaps save a few pence. <laughs> He's been meeting with the regulators this morning for energy, off-gem, for water, off-watt, and telecoms as well, off-com, as well as with the Competitions and Markets Authority and the Financial Conduct Authority. This, of course, all part of the government efforts to try and ensure that companies aren't profiting too much, to try and make sure that cost cuts are being passed on to consumers. Uh, Part of the government's efforts to try and uh, ensure that inflation is coming down. Lots of questions being asked about how effective this sort of uh, meetings are, but it's, I suppose it's something, Lizzie, that the Chancellor's trying to be seen to be doing something. Quite, because if it's the top priority of the government, they surely need to do something to halve inflation by the end of the year, rather than leaving it all to Andrew Bailey and the Bank of England. But when they were talking to the supermarket bosses about price caps there, did it come to anything? No. We also spoke to Vicky Price, Chief Economist, uh, Chief Economic Advisor at the Centre for Economics and Business Research about this. And she said that Hunt has very limited direct powers to intervene, but he can encourage the regulators to do their job properly. So this is giving the regulators a kick and encouraging them perhaps to be tougher on the companies that they oversee. Uh, and he could go further than that and perhaps call for voluntary or even mandatory agreements to keep uh, prices lower. So there are a lot of bills affected by this, but whether the government will want to be seen to be taking uh, actions which will upset international investors, I think that is a more difficult question. Yeah, of course, we'll be listening out to see if that comes up in the exchange that Prime Minister's questions. We're pretty sure they're going to be talking about inflation uh, and the cost of mortgages as well. Another story we'll be listening out for with the latest around Thames Water. Officials in talks with the country's biggest water provider after concerns have mounted about its debt pile of more than £13 billion. Sources tell Bloomberg that even a temporary nationalisation is among the options being uh, considered. We'll be discussing that a little bit in more detail later in the show. We've been hearing from Thames Water uh, about this, saying that they've been keeping the regulator fully informed on progress of its turnaround, but that it's working uh, with uh, holders on further equity funding for the company. So that, of course, uh, a very key sector to watch out for what developments uh, might come. But, you know, if we're going to play bingo here, do you reckon we're going to hear Tory mortgage penalty? That seems to be three words that Keir Starmer likes to use. And we've had Zoopla data as well today showing that nearly half of home sellers have been forced to cut their asking prices by more than 5%, which of course comes back to the ever-rising interest rates here in the UK because of ever-rising inflation. Yeah, Lisa Nandy's been uh, speaking at a housing conference in Manchester setting out Labour's plans uh, for the housing sector, saying that the uh, Labour Party sup- supports the right to buy a Starmer is now standing up. Let's listen in. 
request on behalf of the House and join the Prime Minister in his comments about the Holocaust Memorial. I'd also like to wish Muslims across the country a happy Eid. Yeah. And Mr Speaker, last week the Labour Party lost Margaret Madonna, yeah. our first female General Secretary and a trailblazer in every sense of the word. Margaret provided guidance, leadership and loyal friendship to so many in the Labour movement. And it wasn't long after I started in this job that Margaret was at my door, and I will be forever grateful for the advice and support that she gave me. We will all miss her terribly. Mr Speaker, his party spent thousands of pounds on adverts attacking plans to build 300,000 new homes a year. At the same time, his housing minister says it's Tory party policy to build 300,000 new homes a year. So is he for building 300,000 new homes a year or against it? Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, I can just remind the honourable gentleman of our record uh, since being in office. 2.2 million additional homes, Mr Speaker. Housing starts double the number we inherited from the Labour Party, more homes meeting the decent home standards, housing supply up 10% in the last year that we have figures for, and in the last year we had figures for, we also saw a 20-year high in the number of first-time buyers, Mr Speaker. That's a Conservative government delivering for this country. Mr Speaker, it wasn't a difficult question. Um, So, can he point to a single person in housing, in construction, anywhere, who thinks he'll actually hit his target of 300,000 new homes a year. Anyone? Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, the record is that in the last three years, we've delivered almost record numbers of new home building in every one of those years. But, but Mr Speaker, he talks about targets, so let's be clear. I promised to put local people in control of new housing. I delivered on that policy within weeks of becoming Prime Minister. But I am confused from the Honourable Gentleman, because first the Shadow Community and Housing Secretary said communities should have control. But then he then said we should get the targets back and disempower local people. I do want to give him some advice. I don't think it's local people that are the problem. It's a Labour Party policy. Mr Speaker, presumably if he could have identified a single person who thought he'd hit his target, he would have told us. And there you have the problem. One minute he says he's for building new houses, the next he's campaigning against them. And the truth is, far from delivering, since he crumbled to his backbenchers and scrapped mandatory targets, house building has collapsed. He knows it, they know it, and every expert is telling them it. Why did he just admit it? He's not going to get anywhere near his target, is he? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the, the Honourable Gentleman now claims that he supports house building, especially on the, on the green belt. But unfortunately for him, it's good that he, he agrees that he, he does believe that now, but unfortunately for him, the Shadow Deputy Prime Minister, the Shadow Minister for Women, the Shadow Health, Justice, Defence, Business, Northern Ireland and Scotland Ministers are all united against more house building in their areas, Mr Speaker. I have to say to them, though, Mr. Speaker, I, I would say to them, though, they don't have to worry too much because he's never actually kept a promise he's made. Mr. Speaker, Mr. you can tell from his answer, non-answer, his body language, he's actually given up. He's given up. 
And his failure isn't just shattering the dream of those who desperately want to own their own home, it's also hitting those who already have a mortgage. Because of their economic chaos, mortgage holders will be £2,900 a year poorer. How can they ever look the British people in the eye again and claim to be the party of home ownership? Minister. Mr. Mr. Speaker, I don't, I don't think he's noticed that his shadow housing secretary doesn't actually agree with his new policy of concreting over the green belt. Mr. Speaker, she's been campaigning against developments in her own constituency. She said she wanted to prevent urban sprawl and provide green space for local people. I think that's quite sensible, but it's classic Labour, Mr. Speaker, saying one thing here, doing another thing elsewhere. You simply can't trust a word they say. At least he isn't claiming they are the party of home ownership anymore, because we are. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister Minister says he's 100% on it, but his definition of 100% on it is to gently ask the banks to do the right thing. His softly, softly approach refusing to put mandatory measures in place, risk leaving a million households without support. How many will have to lose their homes before he'll stand up for the people his party have pushed into economic misery? Mr Speaker, in fact, the vast majority of the mortgage market is now covered by the new mortgage charter that the Chancellor has brought in. That is delivering practical help to mortgage holders, allowing them to extend their terms, switch to interest-only mortgage, and actually saving them hundreds of pounds a month. So instead of scaring them, actually, there is now practical support in place. But it's right that he raised uh, home ownership, Mr Speaker. That's why we, on this side of the House, introduced a 95% mortgage guarantee scheme. It's why we introduced the first homes and shared ownership schemes to get people onto the housing ladder. And crucially, Mr Speaker, it's why we cut stamp duty. So now what we've seen is the highest number of first-time buyers in 20 years, Mr Speaker. That is twice the number that the Labour Party ever managed. Mr Speaker, it's, it's sort of housing crisis. What crisis with this Prime Minister? He must be the only person in the country who thinks that enough houses have been built in the last 13 years. And whether it's those dreaming of getting the keys to their first home or those already with mortgages, the ambitions of families across the country have been crushed by his failing Tory government. House building at its lowest rate since the war because he can't stand up to his own party. A Tory mortgage bombshell because they crashed the economy. Millions left without support because he won't make lenders put families first. Rather than lecturing the rest of the country and holding their nerve, why doesn't he try and locate his? Well, Mr Mr. Speaker, as always, he hasn't actually taken the time to understand the detail of what we're doing. So, uh, again, I'm happy to to explain it again, Mr Speaker, because it's right that we provide support for mortgage owners, which is why we improve the generosity of the support for mortgage interest scheme. It's why we've introduced a new mortgage charter, which, by the way, goes much more farther than the Labour Party policy on protecting mortgage holders does. On house building, we're proud to protect the green belt and invest millions more in developing brownfield sites. Mr Speaker, the simple truth is, that's what I said I would do 
and that's what we've delivered. And that is the difference between us. I deliver what I promise, he just breaks his. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Labour run Kirklees Council's local plan is seeing hundreds of homes built on greenfield sites, but the agreed developer levies, the Section 106 agreements, which are supposedly for local infrastructure spending, seem to be disappearing into a black hole. So does the Prime Minister agree, agree with me? that agreed infrastructure levies from developers shouldn't be going into a general slush fund. They should be spent on local roads, local schools and local health services for the communities impacted by those developments. My uh, my honourable friend raises an excellent point, and that's why the government is reforming the Section 106 payment system to ensure that new development is matched by new infrastructure, because the current system sees far too little of the developers' profits going to build new schools, hospitals or transport infrastructure. It's also too slow and played by uncertainties, and that particularly hampers smaller local developers. So it will be replaced by a new non-negotiable local determined infrastructure levy, which will deliver exactly what the honourable gentlemen and others want to see, investment in local communities. SNP leader. Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, I wish to start by paying tribute to SNP legend Winnie Ewan and Scotland men's national team former manager Craig Brown, who both so sadly passed in recent days, and to to all Muslims who are celebrating Eid Mubarak. Mr Speaker, on Sunday the Prime Minister patronised the public when he told them that in the face of ever-increasing mortgage bills, that they simply need to hold their nerve. What a nerve. So may I ask him, the near billionaire, when was the last time that he struggled to pay a bill? Mr Speaker, the reason that mortgage rates are rising is because of inflation, Mr Speaker. That is the root cause, which is why it's absolutely the right policy to tackle halve inflation and reduce it back to target. Now, that does mean that we do have to make difficult decisions. It does mean we have to be patient while the impact of those decisions actually has an impact. But in the meantime, Mr Speaker, as I was explaining previously, we are taking practical steps to support mortgage holders across the United Kingdom, particularly through the SMI scheme and the new mortgage. Stephen Flynn. Okay, so that was the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak speaking, uh, responding to questions from the Labour leader Keir Starmer, and also we heard the question there from the leader of the SNP at Westminster, Stephen Flynn, at the end there, dominated by housing uh, and questions over people and how people are going to afford their mortgages, but also house building plans, uh, something that the Labour Party is talking about today with their policy announcement as well. Focus very much on the 300,000 new homes target uh, the Conservative Party had set and its commitment to it and a bit of an argument over which party was the party of home ownership. Yeah, every single question from the Labour leader and the first question from the SNP leader on housing and mortgages. Now, I think this is a difficult issue for for both parties in many ways. Labour's been setting out their policy on housing today and that does include, as Starmer has said before, building 
uh, on the green belt, limited development on the green belt. We don't know the detail of how much development there will be. But remember, the next election will be fought not in cities, not in the countryside. It will be fought in small towns and in the suburbs. And many of those small towns and suburbs are surrounded by green belt. So this is a difficult policy and a controversial policy. Let's not say everybody in the green belt is against all development, but a lot of people feel um, very strongly about this. So it, it's, it's a tricky issue for both parties. It was interesting as well when you heard uh, Starmer saying that the definition of Sunak saying 100% on it is to gently ask the banks to do the right thing. Mm. This is uh, a reference to the Chancellor Jeremy Hunt meeting with the banks to get them to try to support mortgage borrowers who are at risk of repossession without adding to inflation. Frankly, it would be difficult for uh, the Labour Party to do any different. Uh, it, I spoke to Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves about what Labour would do outside the Bank of England after the jumbo hike, and there really wasn't a lot of daylight between the two positions. Yeah, I mean, look, that's something that we're seeing reflected in, in quite a lot of policy areas because we're, of course, you know, the, even the policy announcement coming from the Labour Party today, it's a lot of headlines we've heard before from what Labour wants to do uh, in terms of housing. This is part of the sort of holding pattern we're in at the moment in British politics where parties are keen not to unveil too much detail about what they want because they don't want to, you know... Have their clothes stolen. Well, exactly. Mm. Accidentally say something that the party might want to adopt if it was a particularly good idea. There was one line that really stood out for me from uh, Keir Starmer there. He said, we are the party of home ownership. So really trying to claim that mantle from uh, the Tories, you know, such an important constituency that the, 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 the homeowners, of course, are a massive part of the country and Labour uh, keen to be seen to be on their side. And of course, with mortgages getting uh, so expensive, it is an easy time for them to claim that. Pitching to middle class Britain whilst also uh, digging into Sunak's class. Yeah, well, look, we know that housing is going to be an absolutely huge issue, continue to be uh, over the next year or so. Let's turn to some of the latest data that we've gotten on the UK's housing market. Almost half of home sellers uh, in the last month were forced to cut their prices by more than 5%. This is according to the new data from the property portal Zoopla. Yeah, the latest monthly survey saw an increase in the number of homes listed for sale, but a 14% drop-off in buyers. Well, we spoke to Zoopla's Executive Director, Richard Donnell, just a little bit earlier. When mortgage rates get into the 5 to 6% territory as they are at the moment, that just puts takes more buying power out of the market, basically reduces the pool of buyers. And that, that means that anyone serious about moving and selling has got to make sure they price accordingly. And it puts further downward pressure on prices. I mean, the, the discounting figures are very interesting in this latest monthly data. What has the impact of those higher rates been on prices? I think for the first five, six months of this year, around about um, a third of people selling have had to take a, a discount of more than 5% to achieve a sale. Over the pandemic, you know, it was much, much lower than that. But in the last couple of weeks, that's jumped up to 42%. So it, it's showing sort of just buyers... Um, being uh, more conscious of, of mortgage rates going up and just wanting better value for money and sort of negotiating that bit harder. I think that's also been um, supported by much more supply. You know, we've seen mm. um, back to normal levels of inventory now in the housing market. So buyers have more choice and therefore you know, probably more room to negotiate. Yeah, absolutely. What's on the minds of sellers then? Uh, you have seen 18% more homes listed for sale just in the last four weeks over the five-year average. That's right. I think um, you know, the, the, the pandemic was characterised by real scarcity of housing, which is why prices went up. Um, I think we've got landlords selling up at the moment. We've got people wanting to move for a whole range of reasons, cost of living pressures, mortgage pressures, 
homes not suitable, working from home. So we're seeing more supply, which is a good thing. That's supporting more sales. Um, but I think those sellers do, you know, do have to be realistic. And I think even if house prices fall 5%, which is what we think for this year, they're still 15% higher than they were at the start of the pandemic. So sellers have got equity effectively to, to give away or to discount to, to facilitate and enable that move to their next home. When it comes to the the level of of discounting though and that downward pressure on prices, what what should we be comparing this to when we think about the previous movements in the housing market? I think the you know basically the level of discounting is back to where it was in 2018. 2018, 2019 were pretty weak years for the housing market. We only had annual house price inflation of one percent. Prices were falling slightly in London. So we sort of haven't gone beyond where we were in 2018. Um, sadly, we don't have data looking back further. So yeah, this just points to sort of further modest downward pressure on house prices, small single digit price falls over the second half of this year. Mm. Uh, and we need to really see what happens on supply. I think if we saw a big spike in supply coming through and more people who are keener to move, then uh, that might um, add to the downside on pricing. So that was Zoopla's Executive Director Richard Donnell speaking there to myself and Carlin Hepker a little bit earlier. Now I want to turn to one of our other top stories today. Bloomberg has learned that Thames Water, Britain's biggest water supplier, is in talks over contingency plans that would include temporary nationalisation. Concerns have been growing over its debt pile, which stands at more than £13 billion. And we're joined now by our UK water reporter, Eamon Farhat, who, like water, is a shapeshifter and has shifted from being our strikes reporter. You may have you may remember him joining us on that. But Eamon, thanks for being with us in the studio. Who's taking part in these talks and what are the options for Thames Water right now? So yeah, so this kind of broke overnight and we've been seeing more and more things happening this morning. Offwat, which is a regulator for water companies across the UK, is involved in the talks. There's also some, obviously the government's also getting involved. Um, I'm sure you remember what happened to Bulb uh, last year. So it's kind of that sort of arrangement that could happen. The issue here is that the water company also kind of owns a lot of the, almost like the mains in some ways. So it gets a bit more complex with really keeping the supply going. Um, so yeah, it is quite complicated. As you said, debt is the big issue here. Thames Water is the company of, of out of all the water companies that has this highest debt to equity ratio right now over 80 percent and the off what the regulator kind of says that it should be more like 60 percent so that's really creating issues for investors yes it's a massive um debt pile isn't it if this ends up being nationalized it's gonna be a massive uh, political story just take us uh, a little bit back uh, on this how do we get into this mess yeah, so obviously England's water companies were privatised about 30 or so years ago, and since then they've relied heavily on debt, public debt markets to fund their operations. Right now, you know, there's huge issues around sewage discharge, around environmental issues, trying to, you know, keep water resilience, lots of leaks as well, and we need to fund all of this. Uh, the issue as well is that we're going into this next five-year period where Offward is asking all the companies for their business plans, for what money is on the table, and the companies have to go to investors in some cases to, to find some of that money. Um, and the other side of it, you know, dividends are kind of, are being paid to investors, and that's also playing into this as well. Because Offwort back in I think February said that if companies were not living up to their environmental performance, they would not be able to pay out dividends to investors. So it's really creating a bit of a dynamic there. What have we heard from Times Water about this? So Thames Water has kept very quiet this morning. They came out with a statement in the last half an hour, just basically saying that they're kind of, you know, working hard to, you know, get to cut to bring first of all their maybe their annual results forward and also to talk to to investors 
and get some more equity on the table. They try to play it a bit down, and, and it does seem that maybe you know things are not moving as fast as you know we thought early this morning. It seems that the talks are still going on, so we could f- find out more this afternoon when there's a statement, possibly from the government. And this isn't the only issue for the water companies, of course. There's also the issue of leaks and sewage discharge. Bad news for anyone who's a wild swimmer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So leaks have been an issue the public has been very angry about over the last year. Um, and also, um, when it comes to leaks, Thames Water, about a quarter of the water that comes into the system just leaks out into the ground and all around. So that's definitely a huge, huge issue. At the same time, hotter weather, June is going to be one of the hottest on record. It means that people are using more water. There's been a temporary use ban, a hose pipe ban in the southeast of England. This could be spread across the rest of the country. Um, so there's definitely a lot of pressure on the companies to try to do something about it. But at the same time, it's a different, a difficult financial environment. Rates are up. It's very difficult. On the subject of um, sewage discharge, I see the report in the Times today that the water companies are possibly drawing up plans to hike bills to pay for investment, which which will not be welcomed by the government, uh, given the yeah. cost of living situation. Yeah, no, it's very clear that if you want to invest more, you know, it's, it, I think everyone I talk to across the industry says that bills will have to go up. Um, now, water bills are still quite low compared to energy bills. You know, they're more in the 500, 700 pounds per year. But there is that that thought that you have to increase them. At the same time, the public is quite angry because, you know, there's these huge salaries being paid out, huge dividends being paid out. So they ask themselves, why should our bills go up to fund the investment? You know, why can't you get it from somewhere else? Eamon, you mentioned the the change in the, the or rather the expect, expectation of more hot weather playing into this mm-hmm. as well. I mean, how much of this is a, is a climate change issue as well? I think quite a lot of it, you know, because it's all about the infrastructure. And when we talk about extreme temperature swings, that's actually causing more of the pipes to break. When the, you know, the temperature gets hot and cold, the ground moves, that causes uh, breakages. And Thames Water actually saw something like a 30% increase in leaks because of these extreme temperature swings. Um, as I said, they're not on track to meet their targets because of this climate change issue. And at the same time, you know, they're having demand go through the roof because people are just filling up their pools, wash, uh, watching their gardens, washing their cars, etc. Um, so definitely climate change is playing a big role. And this summer is looking like we're going to have more heat waves on the way. July is already uh, set to have some hot temperatures coming in the first couple of weeks. Okay, our UK water reporter, Eamon Farhart, thanks for being with us in the studio. Yeah, Thames Water, not only the biggest supplier of water in the country, but also the most indebted uh, relative to its size. Yes, a £13 billion uh, debt pile. Something else we're looking ahead to today, that is uh, mortgage approvals data. We're going to get that uh, tomorrow. That is expected to show that mortgages agreed in May remained fairly flat. So no obvious signs of stress in mortgage approvals just yet. And also we'll get the Nationwide House Price Index for June. That comes on Friday. That is forecast to show a steepening decline in house prices, down an estimated 4% year on year. So two interesting updates on the housing market. Yeah, of course, housing, housing likely to be a subject we will keep talking about on this programme. But that is it from us for today. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and give it five stars so other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by James Walcock and our audio engineer was John Wasserman. I'm Ewan Potts. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Stephen Carroll. We'll be back with more tomorrow. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.